This is for the free thinkers, the curious beings that swim upstream, who see possibilities, not problems, that learn from the past, live by the present, and create the future. This is the I Love Ugly Audio Show. Welcome to the I Love Ugly Audio Show. I'm your host, Valenti Nozic. In this episode, I sit down with Tom Guild. He's an award-winning director and photographer from New Zealand. He's worked with clients such as Ralph Lauren, Action Bronson, Travis Scott, Nike, just to name a few. We talk about a lot of stuff on this episode, actually, from how he got his break in the competitive industry, how he made the jump from living in Auckland, New Zealand, and he went over, ventured out to LA and New York and still made a name for himself, how to avoid creative burnout, the power of goal setting and visualization, a lot of stuff really. I've been wanting to have this chat with Tom for a while. He's a busy man, so it was great to have him in my home here in Piha. And we go deep, and I think you're going to really enjoy this episode and grab a lot of value from it. And if you do like it, please do me a favor and rate it and share it. Enjoy. Nice, bro. Good to have you on my home. Thanks for coming out these ways out in Piha. Bit different from uh, you just got back from New York on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no man. Thank you for having me, man. Good to good to be out here and good to be back. No worries. How how you been? I've been good, bro. Yeah, been good. I suppose just um, yeah, running around as usual. Yeah, just yeah. came back from a, from a trip back to where I used to live um in the states in New York and LA. So yeah, um, yeah, fresh off the plane back home. First time I travelled in a bit because of obviously what's what's been going on, but. It's nice to be home, bro. For sure, man. What are we doing in the States this time around? Just reconnecting, really, bro. Obviously, you know, last couple of years kind of um, been a tricky one in terms of what's been happening with the world, you know. Mm. I was based, like, as you know, kind of based out in, in New York for the last, like, 11 years. Um, and then, I suppose, 2020, when the world changed with the pandemic, I uh, moved home, um, That you know, later that year, back to New Zealand. So, um it was a nice change coming back home, but then obviously we went through our lockdowns and everything. So for the last couple of years, um, been waiting to kind of get back there and reconnect with everyone. So mm. it was just a trip to to, to kind of show face and, yeah. and go back to the place that I that I used to call home. Yeah, for sure, man. What was it? Uh, you know, just kind of diverting a little bit. You know, you're from because where are you originally from in Auckland? So I grew up on One Tree Hill, bro. Yeah, yeah, Mangakiki is uh, is where I'm from. Um, so yeah, raised central Auckland. Yeah. Um, so kind of grew up there most of most of my most of my childhood. Um, always been around central Auckland. Yeah. yeah. And what was the contrast? Uh, you know, going from you know being raised central Auckland to you know you found yourself residing in New York for a, for a while. Like, firstly, what was the change like, and how did you even get there? Yeah, I suppose it was a huge change, bro. Like, you couldn't get much different from like, you know going from like One Tree Hill to, to New York City, you know. Um, massive difference in terms of like pace, culture, energy, um, and then also opportunity, you know. But it was something that was super welcomed and I'm blessed to have had that opportunity to, to kind of go out there. Obviously like growing up, you know, what kind of, I suppose, led me there was I kind of grew up looking at all the visuals and, and all the inspiration that kind of came out in New York. You know, as a young teenager, you know, from the photography to art to film, um, everything that was kind of coming out of there were things I kind of looked to. Even though we were so far away in like the bottom of the South Pacific, um, all of that just created such interest for me, you know, and inspiration. And so I always wanted to get there. I just didn't know how or realise how far away it was, you know. Mm. But I kind of moved there 
um, in 2009, I was like 22, and I just kind of jumped on a plane. I'd never been to, never been that far on a plane yeah. in my life, you know, but I uh, moved there and kind of getting there was like, yeah, it was everything I'd, ex- I'd kind of imagined in my mind, you know. I suppose I've always been someone that's big on visuals, but then also visualizing mm. myself in situations or things to come, you know. And I suppose when I got there, like all that, I was lucky enough to all of that kind of got, kind of came true in a way. And I kind of just threw myself into that situation. And I think the benefit from that was that I come from a place so far away. Everything to me there was like fresh. I had fresh eyes on everything. Everything was like new and exciting, you know. And because I had that opportunity to go there and so many of my friends never like really left, you know, New Zealand. Um, I suppose I really kind of like jumped at that opportunity, you know. Mm, mm. And then I like what you said before about, you know, you're a visual person and also you visualise. So, you know, you do see things internally before it eventuates externally. Sure. Um, Does that, was that ever since you were a kid, did you learn that? Like, how did that come about? And did you... Once you kind of realised about that about yourself, did you start to hone in on that a lot more, or how does yeah? Tell me about that. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's like a big part of me, and it's actually a big part of like what I do today. You know, like that like visualization. I suppose is like I get the most satisfaction out of being able to visualise something as an idea, and then making that happen and bringing that to life, yeah. and so other people can see those visuals, experience those or that idea. And I'm sure it's the same with people from fashion. You have an idea, you bring that to life, you make mm-hmm. that as something that's physical, you know? Yep. Same with me in terms of like photography and, 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 and filmmaking. Um, that to me is the most rewarding part of like what I do, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was always big, visualizing where you're gonna be, what you're gonna do, you know? Um, I, I don't know how it came about or how I kind of caught on t- to that, but it's definitely been a big part of my life and something you know, I do, you know, every day or whenever I have an idea, it's always visual based. Um, those ideas come to me visually. Yeah. And then being able to execute that in a visual way and share it is what I get joy out of. Yeah, it's pretty special, man. And do you do you apply that visualization to all other aspects of your life, not just your work? I think I think work is it makes the most sense for me because I work in a visual kind of space. Mm-hmm. But um, like I said, yeah, I, I, I do, I kind of, I put myself in situations and I visualize things to come, you know, I think it's, um, that, you know, that, that forward thought or that forward thinking into, you know, what is to come or, you know, putting yourself in the situation, which is like this kind of like subliminal goal yeah. to put yourself there. Um, it's probably how, um, you know, I manifested in my life, yeah. you know, um, but I don't think it's something that I, you know, I force, I think it's just something that kind of happens, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And are you, like, you strike me as someone, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is quite goal-orientated, whether you actually write it down or, you know, you do have it, say, subconsciously embedded into your mind. Like, what's your what's your thoughts on that and just around? Because you've achieved, you know, I can kind of list off all your credentials, but you've got a pretty impressive lineup of just people you've worked with, clients, brands. Um, yeah, it's fucking, it, it, it's stacked, you know? But also the cool thing about you is your humility and you're so humble about it. You know, you don't let it get to your head. But do you do you actually write write stuff down as well? I do. Like yeah. I want to work with X brand or X person. And then what do you what do you like why do you think it's important actually writing that shit down? Uh, I, yeah, I do. I, I definitely am super goal oriented, you know. Um, but I don't like 
it's a, maybe a way to like hold myself accountable for things, but then just also something to work towards. I think it's always nice to have something uh, to be excited about or to, you know, to, to have, a, have a goal, you know. Agree. I think regardless, like my whole life I've always, you know, in some ways had like some sort of chip on my shoulder in a positive way, you know. And so I like to, you know, not, not in a, in a, saying this in a negative way, but I like to prove people wrong, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the fact that I can achieve something that people just, you know, wouldn't think that was, you know, attainable or, or really, really care about, do thoughts about, you know. But at the same time, I think it's it's not really about the people. It's about it's about achieving them for myself, you know. Of course. And I think goals kind of help you to kind of set those up. And again, it's a visual thing to write them down and to see them as something to work towards. Um, so they definitely... It, def- it definitely helps, you know, and I like to do it because I can look back on previous goals that I've written down and be like, shit, that's like a time and a place in the era of mm. my life. And I'm, I'm far past that now, you know, mm. in terms of what, what a new goal is. And I think with that, like, regardless, however, you know, as, as the older you get, your goals actually seem to, they change, you know. Mm. It might not be, these days I think it's maybe less about work and more about, like, standard of life and, you know. Yeah, man, I agree. So, um, all of those things, no matter what it is, it's nice to kind of, yeah, put it down on paper, put your head in that in that space, you know, and then, yeah, visualize it till it comes true. Yeah, I agree, man. And you know how you said you almost had like a bit of a chip on your shoulder to prove people wrong? Because I also kind of had that similar type energy when I was starting off as well. What was, uh, who were you trying to prove wrong? <laughs> sure. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think it was just, um, I think when I was a younger teenager, I think the space of us kind of coming up, um, there was less of, um, I suppose, acceptance of like living your life as a creative um, and being able to kind of um, just get by on kind of hustling and doing what you love to do. I think we were kind of, uh, you know, people in our age group are kind of of that area where, you know, uh, our parents might have been like, you know, boomers, you know, and they come from this foresight of, you know, like, not understanding the new ways in which the world was changing about the time, you know, when we were coming up as kind of like teenagers. Mm -hmm. And um, I suppose I always wanted to kind of just, uh, I figured out quite early that I never wanted to really work for for anyone and that I just wanted to kind of do my own thing. And I think it was just to to prove to anyone, everyone and to myself that I could do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that was the thing about basically being like a, being able to sustain being a creative um, to anyone that didn't understand um, that that you could do that, you know. Yeah. I feel now it's far more accepted, and I'm glad that younger um, people with the same like passions um, that I might have had as a, as a young kid, and now it's a lot more accepted for them to just go out there and do their thing and give it a shot. You know, there's so many avenues for careers and for people to, I suppose, make a living for themselves. But I think maybe our generation was maybe the first kind of era to break that I, yeah. I think you know I, I agree bro I agree I had the same you know same battles as well it was almost taboo that you're a creative and you weren't you know what they classify as like a legitimate career like a sparky or you know there's nothing wrong with those guys but if you're if you're a creative and you wanted to pursue a career in that it was quite rare and yeah. especially someone doing that combined with wanting to do it for themselves or work by themselves like for themselves I think the combination of those two things is like yeah, it was quite it was quite hard like i i personally found it quite hard you know and we all almost had to pave our own ways and um so you started just to kind of like wind it back a little bit so you developed a passion for film for you know uh making making films and you know taking taking photos 
Um, and then you, what, you just went out there and did it? Did you study or did you just have this insatiable hunger and you just went out there and just try to try to make work what you started to see in your own mind? Is that? Yeah, I, sp- I, sp- I suppose it's kind of like a, a few different things kind of happened along the way. Um, I was always, always a visual person, I suppose. And I suppose I came from, um, you know, I suppose I was pushed by my, my mother was like very creative, amazing, you know, lovely woman, you know, who like, was like an artist in her own right, kind of always pushed me to, um, well not pushed, but just encouraged me to be mm. creative, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas on the other side, my father was totally, totally different to my mother in every sense of ways, different background, different people. You know, I come from a broken home and so those, you know, the world that my, my father lived in was very different to the one that my mother did. Um, but when I would spend time with him, you know, like the, the people that he kind of kept around him and his friends were um, uh, often people from the, the, the outskirts of society, you know, mm-hmm. um, and basically just crazy characters, you know, they had mm-hmm. like an amazing life stories, you know, yeah. but just, you know, interesting characters, you know, yeah. I'll put it that way. Um, and coming from those two different different worlds and different sides of, of, of my parents, you know, I'd be hanging out with, with my old man and his mates, you know, um, that were these eccentric characters and my old man used to be giving me shit, you know, like, you know, why oh, you come around with your camera taking photos of my mates and their tattoos and stuff, we don't do that, you know, like, yeah, yeah. he was, you know, like, didn't really understand, you know, but then at the same time, my mum was taking me, she was a school teacher, but she also volunteered at the Auckland Art Gallery, and so she would be taking me to all the exhibitions in the city, you know, and introducing me to, you know, artists like Colin McCann, like Ralph Hawtrey, like yeah. Shane Cotton, you know, Glenn Jowett, like John Poulet, all these people that I was like, fuck, this, this is amazing, this art, this New Zealand art, you know, mm. and it kind of showed me then that you could be a, a creative, you know, um, within this country that we lived in and be this artist and this right, you know. Mm. And I suppose I took those two worlds from these, these, these characters and um, that my dad was always around to, you know, the art world, which my mum was around and these, these totally different kind of places, but I put them together to kind of create what I was about at those early stages. And I kind of put those together in a lot of my early films and photography was about stories that were untold and about people that were either marginalised on the outskirts of society, you know, and it was all about trying to find the, the empathy and the beauty in that, you mm-hmm. know. And so I'm very fortunate, very privileged in my upbringing to have had that, um, these two different sides, you know, which um, definitely showed me different ways people live, but also helped kind of create some sort of empathy in me of people from all walks of life. 100% bro, just hearing that story as well, like for those that aren't familiar with your work, obviously we'll give all the links, but to me it actually makes, that makes a lot of sense. Because I was going to ask, it's like, it seems like, you know, when you do tell stories and do your short films and even when you take these photos, you it's it's always interesting characters that are a little bit, you know, they're not, you wouldn't deem it as, as pretty. They just look like, you know, they've been through some shit. But at the same time, you have an ability to kind of extrapolate that, that, that ugly and the lessons learned from their stories. And there's one particular film that you did, I think it was called Skins or Skin, and, yeah. and about the, the mongrel mob member. Yeah. And then um, he kind of left and then started, he, he like took on board, like adopted a whole bunch of children and yeah. then really tried to make his, uh, you know, make the, you know, the mess or whatever that in his life. and you know, try to really purify, I guess, the souls of these other kids growing up, something along those lines. Yeah, exactly, it's man. Quite, quite touching and powerful. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense. It makes sense why you always gravitated towards 
those stories. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you, bro. Like, yeah, that one was uh, that one was like a special little film so long ago now. But like, you know, like he's someone that I still keep in touch with all the time. You know, but that was yeah. I suppose it was a story. Um, what I wanted to do with that was just open people's eyes. You know, um, depending where you're from or the upbringing you have, a lot of people can be very um, uh, narrow-minded in terms of like looking outside of their comfort zones or for people or having empathy from other situations. And that whole fact of being judgmental of something that you might not know anything about, you yeah. know, like and also from someone looking like a certain way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and that's the you know he's the antithesis of that, you yeah. know, like and, and 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 that gang especially. But you know, it was just important to me to you know portray you know the empathy and the humanity within that story was to yeah, to peel that back, you know, to open people's eyes, and yeah. um, I get satisfaction from just trying to to make people. You know, view something, watch something to, to open their mind a little bit. Yeah, no, nah, it's great, bro. Like, as as I said before, I highly recommend people check that out. But for that, that was, like, pretty moving. I just showed Declan the other day as well. And you're like, fuck, it's pretty pretty powerful. But why, you know, you know like, just why do, why do you think that people that don't almost fit into this quote-unquote cliche mold of society, like, why do you think society does kind of cast them out to be you know since since they don't kind of fit into this mold they're almost casted out to be deemed as like that guy's a fucking freak or a weirdo yet they're just being authentically them like why why why, why do you think that is it's because it's not like them you know it's because it's not you know it's not what society deems as the the straight and narrow um and that to me is that's that's they all that's boring it's you know boring, like yeah um, if anything, should champion the individuality and originality of people, you know. Yeah. But at the at the at the basis, like, yeah, society shouldn't be judgmental on what people look like, True. you know. And that that goes through all facets yeah. of life, you know. Like in terms of, you know, what's what's on the outside or the way people are perceived or look. That's not what you judge people on, you Definitely. know. It's, it's, yeah. You know, it's the actions, you know. It's quite often the person that looks most put together is the least put together on the inside. And I almost feel that the more you actually fit into society, the more trapped you actually become as a human being as well. Um, I know, you know, even living out here, it's a little bit, you know, living out in Piha, pretty isolated. I know I felt more free than I ever have just being here. But um, what have you, you know, just it seems like, you know, you you document a lot of like creatives like musicians and rappers and things like that like why what do you learn from being around these people like do you like what, what what's like an occurring reoccurring theme of all these people the way they live their lives because obviously they're making a living off their truest artistic expression so sure surely there must be some bit of a theme between all these people like you know you've got like action bronson and you know what free gibbs and a whole bunch you know you've you, you've spent time with you've been in close proximity with these people what's something that um like a bit of a common thread between all these people i suppose yeah it's interesting everyone's everyone's different you know like the from the people that i've worked with you know everyone has kind of um got their own unique style of personality or, or jive but i think the main thing is like especially from living in, in america for so long you know even over there just hustles really hard everyone that's what i picked up on as well everyone just works kind of yeah. like that the work is their life and i really i respect that you know but um i suppose the older, older i get it's like i also respect the balance of life you know course, hence why i love being home in new zealand but um i suppose it, it is inspiring being around like being able to work with you know like you know, action bronson you know like travis scott all these people that like 
have achieved so much and see kind of like insights into how they work their lives or, or, or what have you you know mm-hmm. um, but you know I can't I can't I can't speak for them but all, I, all I've seen from that is just like they're passionate about what they do and they're just going full throttle with it you know yeah wow interesting um, so you reckon that's fundamentally like the foundation of it the drive it's like they're actually fucking passionate I think so I think so man I think I don't, I don't know yeah I don't know, like, I can't speak for them on yeah. their journeys. Just you know, from, your, I, yeah, um, that's what I'm meaning, from your perspective, like, yeah, obviously it's all subjective, right? But it's, like, from your perspective. Yeah, I think it I think it comes down to that, you know, like, for sure. Um, they're also on, like, a bigger playing field. In the States, the opportunity is massive, you know. It's mm. one thing I, I realised. Um, I can speak closer to, to Action's career because I was, I was there from the start and just seeing kind of how the traction for him built and then happened so quickly, you know, yeah. his rise and his life really changed from what I knew him to, to, to what he became really quickly, um, kind of around like 2010, 11, like around then, um, which was like amazing for C and I was so super happy for him, you know, yeah. um, but it showed like the scale and the size of the beast over in America, you know, mm-hmm. the, the machine yeah. and the amount of people. Um, and I think once that started happening, I think that, that drove him as well to kind of keep going. Yeah. Like whenever we get, regardless of, of, of whatever stage or level you're on, once you start getting positive feedback or reassurance about yeah. what you're doing, it extensively like ignites a drive, doesn't it? You want to keep doing it, you know? Yeah. You, it's, 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 a, it's a weird thing where someone gets a lot of praise and then just disappears. It does yeah, happen, course. but yeah, yeah. a lot of the times, you know, I think um, that the energy over there is, is really contagious. And it keeps people going, you know. So yeah, of course. Um, so it's cool. But for for me, it was inspiring to see that and be able to be around that. Yeah. Coming from New Zealand, so far away, bro. Like no one knew, you know, no one knew anyone. Yeah. From New Zealand over there in the circles that you know I was fortunate enough to kind of like become a part of. Mm. And so it was um, inspiring for me just to kind of see that level and be witness to, you know, it's all of that over there. You know, yeah, of America was very good to me. Yeah. Yeah, because you're a you know you become an average of the people that you spend five people you spend most time with, and obviously for you it you know played off just being around these people in close proximity became infectious. Do you think that say being in those circles, which obviously you you created that that opportunity yourself, but did you feel that really propelled your career forward? Just seeing the hunger and the passion of being around these people, you could start to you know really apply that into your own life and your own career. Yeah, for sure, definitely. You know, like. It was, you know, it was a goal of mine to, to be be there creating that work as well, yeah. you know. And um, the more opportunities that, that came, the more, um, you know, from being there and putting myself in the situations and doing the work and doing, you know, like, um, you know, the best work I could, that definitely propelled me forward, you know. And just from being, you know, being able to collaborate and work with, you know, big artists over there, mm. um, it always got more eyes on the work that I was doing, you know, yeah. like... Um, I was very fortunate to, to kind of head that and um, help, you know, help that push me and get more eyes on the work that I was doing. Not only the work I did with them, but other stuff that I was doing as well, you yeah. know, like, so, um, yeah, it, uh, reciprocal relationship, I suppose, you know, but yeah, definitely thankful for how everyone I've worked with has also helped mm. me in my career, you know, totally. so yeah. I reckon those are some of the best relationships, eh? Like, you don't mean to make them transactional, but they just naturally reciprocal. Yeah. You feed off each other's energies and you just become better people as a result of it. And it doesn't need to just be for career. It could be hanging out with a happy person 
you just find yourself becoming more happy. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, and that's why, you, you know, that's why you continue to work with the people that you, you know, you work well with, you create good work with, or you, like, or you like being around, you know. Those like working relationships that span years become like, you know, really meaningful. Um, and you get to know each other and, and more, more than one sense, you know, yeah. because, because you're working, but you're also developing a friendship. Yeah. And that's where I feel like the... The best work comes out because you're able to be honest with each other. Yeah, and comfortable. And, and, yeah, and comfortable but still push to, each other to, to bounce ideas, you yeah. know. Um, so if you can get those 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 relationships and have those kind of like long working, you know, like relationships with someone, then mm. I feel you, you ultimately create great work. I agree, man. And then kind of taking it back because everyone's like, you know, we've got a lot of young listeners that are ambitious and want to pave away in their own careers for whatever it may be you know a lot of creatives how did you how did you kind of get a step into this door into this world from obviously you had your dreams and your ambitions you already made that bold move you know moving to the states um and obviously you know you get rewarded by the action that you take and you start to get momentum on your side but how do you start to get your break were you just fucking relentless in your hustle did you were you a great great networker just so we can give, you know, because I know even off mic, you said you want to give some real good value, and I think sure. this would be a lot of good value for someone that's starting out. Sure, man. Yeah, I think uh, it's a question I, I do get asked, you know, I and it's, you it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky one because it's it's not an easy one, you know, um, especially for like a director these days. There's a lot of directors out there, and there's a lot of great directors out there. It is fucking hard breaking breaking in, you know, and breaking into the different facets of the industry. Um, I suppose the way that that I broke in, you know, I was very fortunate in the fact with the the people that I met, um, you know, through my through my journey. Um, but I was always someone that was driven to to create work, um, regardless of what was happening. Yeah. So the way that I really kind of um, was able to like break through was by creating like films, um, basically personal work, you wow. know, yeah. that basically were. Um, passion projects for the love of ma- making films and, and telling stories like Skin for example you know mm. is one of those you know mm. um, my, my biggest advice is like to, to crack into it is really just to just to go out there and make work you can't sit around waiting for like a brief or someone to give you a job because it's just not going to happen you yeah. know and so part of it was meeting the right people part of it was networking but most of it was really just getting out there, having ideas and creating work, you know. Yeah. The more personal work that I did, the more brands would contact me to hit me up to wow. want work in that similar style in the commercial realm. Yeah. And it's still what I do today, you know. Yeah. But it was really those personal, that personal work that really kind of like um, sparked interest um, mm. and, and got me more and more jobs with bigger brands throughout the world, you know. Yeah. When I was first kind of coming up, Vimeo was, was really kind of big and was kind of taking off. And the first things I really worked on were, you know, short documentaries. And a lot of these short documentaries that I released um, kind of went really big on the internet mm. and um, got a lot of traction through that. Um, subsequently, I was working with people like Action in the, in, mm. the, in, the, in the music industry. And, you know, we were we kind of came up together, you know, I directed all his first music videos. And at the same time, his and career was bubbling. And came simply from him seeing your personal work, right? No, that came through mutual friends, man. That actually okay. came through... Um, but he probably wouldn't have given you the opportunity if you didn't have a body of work, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so that's um, essentially what you're really saying, eh? Yeah, yeah. So, so like, I just kept, kept 
kept moving, kept doing things. Whenever there was like even a spell where I mightn't be doing like commercial work that was like paying the bills, I would always have a passion project on the back burner. I would nice. always have something. So I just kept busy and like I always had a, a thing where like if your name's not being spoken about, it's being forgotten about, you yeah, know? so true. And so like you always, it wasn't like, well, there's a drive, you know, and I always, I kind of plan my years out. I kind of plan what I'm doing um, to be like, oh, this is going to release in this quarter, da, da, da. So I always have something that's coming out. So there's, wow. I always have a consistency. I've never had a year where I'm just not releasing something, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm prolific in what I put out there because I have friends in America that just like, you know, uh, are so prolific and, and, and doing so much. Yeah. But... I always try and keep a, a nice flow of work going out there. Yeah. And it's not only to um, to just for the sake of creating it, it's because I fucking love creating it, mm. you know? Like, if I was just sitting down just doing commercial work behind closed doors, making money, I wouldn't be happy, you know? Mm. Like, I want to do those passion projects, but they're always what brings in the other work, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's my, my biggest advice is for, for someone trying to break into it, if you're trying to be a commercial director, bake into that. Like, just worry about you know, like, creating work you want to do. You'll look back and be like, those are the best projects because no one was telling you what to do. There was no yeah. one giving you other input. It was just you to be free and make the best work you could. You know. Yeah. And I suppose that's the beauty of it. You know. Of course, man. So I would just, I would just encourage that, and not to talk bad on, on on anyone, but when I look at other directors, like directors that I admire, you know, do great work, you know, but maybe more on the commercial field. But if I look back at their, their kind of like um, their work, and I, and I don't see any personal work, mm. or like where they've come from or what they're about, then I have no idea what they're about or mm. what they stand for. Totally it's just man. commercial to me, yeah. and to me as like a filmmaker, I value like you know what someone's going to bring to a story or what they care about, you know. And the personal work is the only way to know that. Of course. So that would be my advice: just to go yeah. out there. No, I love make, that, man. Make things, you know? I love that. And then probably another big one where I think a lot of people miss nowadays is patience and perseverance. You know, if you don't get your opportunity, you could work your fucking ass off and you could do amazing work. But, um, yeah, you could be six months in, 12 months in and give up because if your opportunity hasn't come. And it's just be patient as well, right? Would you also agree with that? Yeah, big yeah. time, big time, you know. I think at the same time, it's like be patient, but also be accepting that it's not always going to work out, of you know. Yeah. Like, like, like we were talking about before, like I feel it's really easy to look at something from the outside, especially with social media these days, and be like, man, this person is doing like, you know, amazing, everything is super, super shiny, you know, but like mm. there's these failures behind you know everything you know yeah. like a lot and of i things. feel that's that's the that's that's the realness you know like of you yeah, being patient but accepting that things aren't going to go your way you know if i was of being able to capitalize on all the opportunities that came my way mm. but i just missed out on i would be a totally different person and be in a totally different level you mm. know but those you know didn't happen for a reason and you can't hold on to that yeah let that go and be accepting of that you know for yeah and sure. have the patience to just keep trying and keep going again some things aren't aren't meant to be you know and i of think course, you need man. to ex accept that and there's definitely a lot of um failures and hard times as like a as a director that people don't really understand if you're not in yeah, it, you yeah. Know? what's a what's a real just a failure that would probably shock people because I've had fuck tons, you know, a bit of my story. And, right, right, right. Because well, I, you know, what we were saying off camera, it's easy everyone look at, okay, Tom Gould 
and uh, this dude's a fucking mega success and he's lucky and he happened quick but what's some what's some what's it what's a failure and it's like holy crap just even reflecting back on that retrospectively and that will kind of like surprise people shit I don't, it's hard bro I, I don't know if there's anyone that's like sh- like shocking or surprised but like just to give like it's there's day to day adversities you know well i have day to day feeders like every like you know there's feeders constantly yeah you know is the is more like the the norm with me you know there's always things that think don't go to plan um all the time and the fact that um as a director, you're constantly pitching on jobs, right? So mm-hmm. jobs will come in, but I'll be pitching against three, sometimes five directors on a, on a pitch, you know? Wow. And it's the same as like, you know, brands pitching for work. It's the same as like an actor going for an audition. But as a director, we're constantly pitching on jobs and spending a lot of time and a lot of effort creating like a pitch, a treatment, an idea for this campaign or for this job to get shut down, you know, mm. constantly. And there can be times of, you know, six month period where constantly pitching, pitching, pitching and never getting those those big jobs, never wow. getting those jobs. And the more that you lose back to back to back, the more disheartened you get about mm, the process, totally. the industry, yeah. you know, your, like your all abilities. of that. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, um, that affects your confidence and then your your confidence runs through your your creativity being like, now sure. am I confident about my creativity? Yeah. All of that shit is like, constant struggles yeah. and failures you have compound. to deal yep. with yeah and i think yeah, a lot of people unless you're like a director and you know that and that's the life that you live you want to understand that mm. but it's similar in a lot of other industries as well Great. like i was saying but that's a constant one for me you know sometimes like um like you know in the previous year i've been lucky i've been like on a really good run you know like you know like award after award in terms mm. of like winning pitches pitches but i've had times where it's been fucking rough yeah. you know like real rough you yeah. know um so so that's 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 been tricky too and covid was a, was a hard time for everyone but that was also a hard time like mindset wise as well for sure because after moving home from america i was in new zealand you know the place i call home but a place i'd never worked mm. my whole life really you know and because i'd recently come off the back of, of living in america and and luck fortunate enough to be busy over there i was in new zealand um, but because we were kind of stuck in terms of like our managed isolation situation, mm. all these jobs were coming to me from overseas, but I couldn't go and do them, you know? Mm. And I was kind of stuck at home by myself, not in a good place mentally. Yeah. And that was another thing that was like beating on the, the confidence side of things, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, massive challenge. And even that, when you do, you know, when you've had, say, like a string of events and then you're on that kind of negative momentum train mm. um, and you're, you're fight, facing some demons and you're in a bad headspace, like, what is it that you do to get yourself out of those holes or to break that cycle? Even if work hadn't, still hadn't come in, like, what, what do you do? How do you get out of that? To be honest, like, I, um, I like spending time by myself. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a limit to that for course, sure. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> shit. I don't like fucking too much. I drive myself crazy as well. But yeah, you know, right. I do like to process things. You know, like um, part of the reason that I love coming home, and I suppose I've always had this like gravitational pull back to to New Zealand, is just like fucking just the air here, bro. Like I like I've just I'm, I'm drawn to the to the to, to the ocean and yeah. to the just to the outdoors of being here, you know. So just by myself just being able to get out and get fresh air and be by the ocean is like as a way that I just deal with it. I'm, I'm lucky I can like be able to process things quite quickly. Yeah. Although I th- 
I think I do, you know. Yeah. You never know how, you know, deep down you might be storing some of that, you Definitely. know, um, that frustration or that, you know, that, that kind of animosity maybe. But um, another big release for me is, um, is you know, surfing is like being in the water mm. you know it's like one of the places that i can really clock off you know and another place that i've like found recently i'm getting back to it that i can also totally detach from from the world is in the dark room you know like you know printing printing mm. photos um so i used to have a dark room when i was a teenager you know under the yeah. stairs in my house you know no yeah. ventilation fucking fumey <laughs> as hell but it was like my little spot you know yeah and so i've only recently you know been jumping back into the dark room and i suppose it's like that and like surfing are like the two kind of places where like everything goes away and when i come back to to the world come back to the to the land you know yeah. to the shore like it's not as bad as you thought it Definitely. was you know so yeah yeah you it almost like almost just changes your whole um kind of biochemistry and you start to look at the world with a new lens and you're like man this shit that i thought was like super dire and all the walls were closing down two hours ago no longer exists just because i've moved my body got connected with nature had yep. good doses of god's medicine you know yeah and it's um yeah because that is like i always find it a shame when i see people that are in these holes and they kind of ask them and it's just like well you know i'm not getting outdoors i'm fucking right. watching too much tv on my phone too much yeah. um it's like dude just get out of your comfort zone and move your body and it's just yeah. it's it's unbelievable what it can do for you and also what it can also do for your creativity as well yeah bro i love coming out like especially out, out west you know and like what I like being in the water out here is like it makes me feel small, bro. Mm. And so, like, yeah, I know what that is feeling, man. what is nice is like being um, being humbled, yeah. you know, and realizing fuck, you ain't shit, you know. Like a lot of the time, you feel that your problems are the biggest problems in the world, <laughs> yeah. and nothing else matters, you know. And um, I don't know, being 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 humbled out here, like on the coast, you know, you know, being being in the ocean and and seeing the size and scale around you and the power of of this coast, it's, mm. it's very humbling in many ways, yeah. you know. But it also puts things in perspective for me, at least. It's like I think that you know, just trying to stay, you know, humble and that humility is another thing that like resets your mind to be like, man, I'm blessed, I'm fortunate, I'm I'm, I'm privileged, you know, like a hundred percent in so many aspects of my life, you know. Mm um if i'm you know down and negative about something like um i remember those things and can try to snap out of it pretty quick mm, mm. and uh how much of your success would you say is like mental and how much of is it actually your skills like on a percentage basis i know it's a bit of a you know open-ended question but i think a lot of people think that it's just a hundred percent skills and neglect the mindset but what's your thoughts like man i don't know bro like i, I don't know if it's it like, yeah 100 i think it's like 50 50 man like yeah. everything in life is a balance you know yeah. um there's there's especially in the, in the industry that i work in in terms of like film production and what happens behind the scenes is super intense you know as soon as like a um it's kind of go time and, and pre-production things move very quickly mm. And there's a lot of like scheduling and a lot of kind of like, you know, problems and puzzles to solve, totally. you know. And if you don't have the, the you know, the mindset or the, the mental strength to like think around those things, mm. it's um, then you're not going to get a, a great result when you actually have the camera up and, and you're doing what you need to do. Yeah. So much of it is is behind the scenes work as well, you know. Mm. And that's why, you know, you obviously have great teams around you to help you with that, um, that side of things. But your mental preparation for things um only ever helps the end result i agree man yeah it's almost like we're professional problem solvers that's what people ask me what i do right fuck i'm a professional problem right, solver right, man because right. it's just 
you're right, bro. It's like so much shit goes on behind scenes that people don't think, but then they judge you based off the beauty that you present, you know? In my case, it's are people going to buy the product? Right. You know, that's what kind of keeps the lights on for you. In your case, it's like how does what emotions does, you know, when they see your work, what, what emotions does it evoke? And then, you know, what new work's coming in? And But have you ever, have you ever dabbled with like, you know, taking like, I don't know, weed or psychedelics or anything to try to get you into a frame of inspiration and to think a little bit outside of your norm like have you ever needed any of that that stuff shit man i used to smoke weed when i was a, when i was a teenager but man i, I haven't smoked weed in years yeah, you know yeah. like i don't i don't yeah I'm, I've, i haven't smoked weed in a long time you know but um i take mushrooms all the time you know yeah. like um how does that help you um well to be honest like i haven't actually um, I actually haven't used them in terms of like a work sense mm-hmm. as such, you know. I've used them more like I love mushrooms recreationally, yep. you know. But recently I've been using more for focus, you know. So mm-hmm. I microdose in terms of um, uh, basically um, a mix for for focus. Yeah. Um, Is that psilocybin or like a lion's mane? Yeah, or... lion's mane's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and um, just just to help with focus, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, I'm actually going to switch up soon to one that's more focused for energy. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I love all that. Like, I, but I suppose you know most of my background is more using them for for fun, you know, yeah, recreation. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. like. Yeah. But I love it. I think it's more in terms of like thinking about it. Um, I love the. I suppose I love the spiritual side of it, you know, mm-hmm. but also just the health side, knowing this is something that comes from the comes from the from 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 the earth you know um but i haven't used them in a in a work sense to be honest bro you know um yeah but um no that's cool i think it's It's positive i think it's a positive thing i'm glad that the world is changing to kind of open up more about it i I just think like regardless though like um yeah just gotta gotta use them with the the right frame of mind like any like the right you know right from a man like for anything you know just respect right like what you said about going out in the ocean i think it's the same for that because it's like, um, I recently, I was telling Declan before, like, I haven't even told you when you came, you know, I did shrooms just out right. of my, my property maybe a month ago. And um, a lot of kind of emotional stuff that I thought I'd dealt with, with earlier in the year, with like my divorce and things like that, I thought I'd dealt with, you know, right. um, consciously. And all this shit started to come up that I, that I thought I'd dealt with, but I hadn't maybe right. neglected. But it felt like just a good cleansing of, of my soul spiritually, emotionally everything and afterwards i had this kind of euphoria and just you know and i think naturally i think when you're when you're happy um and you feel quite content and you just take in and you, and you feel like in a, in a state of gratitude i think naturally that spills out into all other facets of your life as well and i think um yeah that's the beauty of say mushrooms and i do agree how it's pretty cool now that the world's becoming less it's not taboo you know it's not so it's not so like classified as like that dude's you know, a bit of a weird hippie for for taking that stuff. I think it's I think it's great. But I was just interested for you as well because sometimes I see a bit of your um bit of work and I was like, damn, like how did he come up with that? You know, how did he, how did he do that? So yeah, it's interesting. Like um, I don't know. Yeah, like I love that the fact that people are pushing that ways. You know, I also love the fact that like mushrooms are being embraced more. That I don't have to like 
you know, turn up to a park and look for the, the tree with the bark around it. <laughs> yeah, right. Like in, you know, like 6.30 a.m. in the morning, like in these tamaki like we used to do when we were kids, you know, but yeah. like, and that I can, you know, get them in a safe environment now, you know, but yeah. I think it's awesome that people are more open to that. And obviously, like, creativity goes kind of hand in hand with that. It's just about being open, you know. Mm. Um, but um, I know, I suppose ideas is interesting. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. For me, like, um, ideas come um, uh, in kind of like two main places. It's really weird. And they yeah. always, it always happens, you know. Yeah. Um, when I'm traveling in motion mm-hmm. or when I'm in the shower. Yeah. But most of my. So traveling as in you're on the plane or train so, or. So, like, the latest, like, um, like, film that I worked on, I wrote it all on a plane. Interesting. On different plane rides. Yeah. And it was always when I was living in the. Uh, living in New York, mm-hmm. and when I was visiting, coming back to New Zealand for for trips, I would write it on the way there, on the way home, you know, because the story was based here. Um, um, but it was something about traveling and moving that always sparked ideas. Yeah, yeah. When I lived in New York for so long, all my ideas would come to me on the subway. Huh. So like, I used to love living there because I would go on the subway, I'd listen to music, and all my ideas would happen on that commute wherever I was going, you know. Interesting. When I come back to New Zealand, it's we don't, I don't have that yeah. journey. I never, I never got ideas driving in a car. For some reason, it was just never it, you know? Huh. Either it was always on planes, things would come to me. It was awesome. On planes, I would always be, I would be writing down goals. I would be sorting my life out as like yeah. on the plane, you know? Yeah. Um, but then on the subway was when ideas would come to me. And so that's, it was huh. like this really kind of like, I don't know if it was about the motion, the sounds of the train, whatever it was, but that's where like everything happened. Huh. When I come back home to New Zealand, that, there isn't that like commuting, there isn't yeah. that movement. Everything seems to just happen first thing in the morning in the shower. Yeah. As soon as I kind of, it's, I wake up, like most productive part of my day are like the first two hours of being awake. Yeah. The rest of the day just trails off after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's also another thing, eh? People got to realize it's like sometimes just don't force it, you know, put it to bed and just wake up, wake up tomorrow and just start again. Right. Because sometimes, you know, you do have, you know, we've only got so much kind of mental capacity as well, right? But why do you, like, you know, knowing that, that you got, you know, you were struck with creative ideas while you're in the plane and on, on the train, did you intentionally do trips purely for ideas? Or was it more of an organic way? I think when I started to realize that this is what was happening, uh, I, I would take subway rides, you know, and I'll be like, I need to go. Yeah. Like I'm fucking maybe have a block or like, and like I need to like think about this differently and I would go and jump on the train. Yeah, and it would work? And it would work. Damn. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes it would be a slow burn. Yeah. But um, I think the more you think about it, the less it's going to happen. Of course. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time it was like, a lot of how my earlier like ideas thoughts were birthed is because um, being inspired by music, you know, just even working on music videos, things like that. That was like the first kind of, things that I'll work on that I would have to listen to the song and be inspired by and come up with visuals. Mm-hmm. So instinctively, music became this thing that would spark ideas yep. for me. So whenever I, I have an idea about something, um, I would literally put on a soundtrack that I think is going to match that idea, that scene, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and I would think to that because that music would help inspire, inspire more ideas, and I do that t- today. Yeah. Fuck, it's interesting, eh? And, um, yeah, I'm just kind of like, now you saying all that. I'm, I'm kind of like scoring it before, right? You know, like it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. But music was always really big. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Fuck, it's, uh, yeah, I like that. Because uh, I think that, um, 
it's it, it still kind of trips me out just the modern work day how people are expected to be of high productivity from 9am sure. to 5pm yeah i just yeah i guess that's the beauty of like you know being creative as well is there's no strict deadline like, there's no strict working hours it's just whenever it hits you right but you still got to do the work you still got to basically make it happen yeah where do your ideas come from or where do you where do you do you have a common place where they come for you yeah i'm kind of like i'm kind of someone asked me that the other day and i reckon like now i just operate in this kind of weird frequency of faith and i've just got faith that the idea is going to come to me and it just and then i just basically i just have faith it's going to come to me and it comes to me just at the most randomest times but i also reckon that good ideas they don't always interrupt you you got to pursue them so sometimes you do have to fucking because it's easy to get distracted sometimes for me anyway sometimes i just need to put the headphones on and just work and then half an hour nothing will come and then after an hour half an hour it will just the floodgates will open and then um i get going i've got a busy life i got three children as well so i have to kind of divvy my time so i do need to try add structure in a way where it's yeah. like okay i'm going to carve out this time to do that but for me my happy place now is doing art like my own personal art that yeah. i'm not doing it for for someone to buy yeah. or to be critiqued on it's personally for me and then i just gift it to people closest to me as well um and then a lot of ideas are sparked from that i oh, start yeah, thinking 100%. videos and yeah. all sorts clothing yeah. But I'm pretty blessed now where I've got a, and this is a bit of a transition, like transition for me now where I've got a team just because of the volume of the output we need. I've got a team around me and I have to almost like lead that orchestra, if you know what I mean, sure. and inspire them. And it's like a bit of a different, it's a new skill set for me now. So yeah. it's not all coming from me. I'm just almost like, say, the soul of a brand. Yeah. I'm trying to teach other people and then trying to get them to you know, extrapolate that in their own way and then to see what their flavor is on on that you know that must be nice though because the pressure wasn't on just you to come up with the ideas the whole time you know you yeah. can you know lend your kind of you know creative like push and kind of like influence and encouragement for someone else yeah. you know for the team to come up with them yeah. but then also always be working on your ideas in the background but just bring through the ones Absolutely. you want you know to like to like to, to add to that mix. definitely man and time eh? it's like having that time and that space uh in that and that solitude so you've actually got some time to think because I reckon having some time, undisrupted time to think is such a blessing nowadays, you know, just with life. And a lot of people just don't spend time just to think and think about who they are as a person, you know, their work, what, you know, how they want to change it, you know, how they want to design their futures. Yeah. I reckon that's the best thing, man. And one thing that, you know, what stuck with me, what you said earlier in the conversation, it's just like just working, working on yourself, I think is so important. And a lot of people just don't work right. on themselves and they wonder... They wonder why, you know, five years, ten years down the down the track, I like, fuck, I'm so distant from where I thought I would be. But they haven't actually spent that time working on themselves. And I think as a byproduct of working on yourself, you start to get, you know, it just becomes easier to attain those goals. The harder you are on yourself, the easier I think life does become as well. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know where to start. Even myself. it's hard, you know. Like it's it not is. like an easy. It's confusing. Like, yeah, it's not an easy thing. Yeah. Like where do you go to? But I think there's lots of different. You yeah, know, everyone, that's why everyone's different, right? You know, like. But yeah, I think if you have that mindset to to want to do better, make yourself better, then you know your whole life around you will become better from that. Agree, and that's why you know the value of these podcasts and just interviewing people like yourself. It's just hopefully gives people that little bit more guidance to, you know, take that step because the first step is the hardest, and that's what people got to realize, right? It's just like, take that first step, man. Be confused. You, you might be lost. You might think to yourself, what the fuck am I doing? 
Um, you might not have that belief in yourself, but a lot of that stuff starts to fade away once you start getting that motion going, taking those first steps, doing that work, that personal work that you're you know personally proud of. And uh, so, you know, just just jumping around, bro. So obviously you've worked with Ralph Lauren, which was that's that's massive, you know. And you also released a book. Is that correct? Can you just tell, can you just kind of take me through, firstly, how that whole Ralph Lauren opportunity came out? Tell me a little about, about the book. Yeah, just sure, take us man. through that, man. Yeah, I suppose um, when I first moved to, to New York, like 2009, I suppose I'd grown up, like I said before, just like loving everything that kind of came out of New York, you know. And growing up, like a lot of the older people that were, I was kind of influenced by, um, there were a lot of kind of like my older sister's friends used to always wear polos, you know. Always. How many, how many siblings you got? I got two. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. But um, I always looked to them and they were always like these dudes. They were always had all this like crazy polo and, you know, they were they were like a, they were influenced to me when I was younger. And through them, I learned of this, this gang out of New York that was birthed in the late 80s called the Low Lives. And they were basically a gang from Brownsville, Brooklyn and Crown Heights in Brooklyn that basically had the common goal of acquiring all things polo, you know, all things Ralph Lauren. And they would basically, they took that kind of idea of the, the American dream and wanted it to make it theirs. But they couldn't afford, you know, what Ralph Lauren was selling, so they took it, they stole it and kind of made it their own. And where did they steal it from? They would steal it from all the, from all the department stores. Wow, just um, ram it. Yeah they, yeah, they would just rush the store and they would they go in there like a hundred deep and take it and they'll you know take it from like macy's you know bloomingdale's you know like sex with dev and it became this kind of like this underground legend this like folklore in new york you know of the low lives you know and the funny thing was they were they were taking this clothes that was you know marketed and meant for you know the the country club mentality and this american dream of this you know upper society you know and they aspired to that and they took it and and flipped it and made it their own you know and wore it better than anyone could on yeah. the Upper East Side or the Upper West Side. Yeah. When I moved to New York, I always wanted to do something around that culture because it birthed the whole movement and a subculture around the world for people collecting these vintage items of Ralph Lauren clothing. Mm-hmm. And this kind of subculture grew and there was amazing kind of documentation from it in the 80s. And no one had done anything proper on it, you know. And so I kind of set out to, to kind of make this book about the low lives yeah. and um, some friends of mine in New York were you know were part of the were part of the crew and I, I met Thurston Howe um, who was kind of like the the leader of, of the low lives in, in 2010 and we decided to make this book together and we started making it and we worked on it for like six years Damn. and it was all around the low lives the early days and the influence that this clothing and this idea of the American dream and had on people and on a society that it totally wasn't meant for and again, like my previous work, it was trying to find this beauty in that. Mm. Yes, they were thieves. Yes, they were taking this clothing, but they weren't hurting anyone doing it. They were just doing it to look like they were from a place that they weren't from, you know, and mm. to aspire to that American dream and dress in this like preppy clothing, this bold, colorful clothing mm. when they had nothing when they went home, you know, mm. but as long as they could look good out on the street wearing it. Mm. And so there was something amazing in that, you know, I wanted to kind of document that. And so we made this book, and um, along with some good friends of mine at um, Doubleday and Cartwright and, and Victory Journal, and, and we published the book. And the book is called Bury Me With The Low On. Um, it's from a lyric from, from one of um, Thurston's songs. And we released the book, and there was a, a lot of attention about it. We released it, and, and the book sold out within the first week. Damn. And on the, on the day that it, we released it, 
um, and you just the sold publishers. it independently. Yep, just yeah. for your own channels, or I released to a publisher called, yeah. called Victory in New York, and um, just just sold the book online. And the idea was, you know, we always wanted to be limited, like a vintage collectible piece yeah. of polo, you know. Of course. But it sold out really quick, and on the day that we released it, we um. We're looking at the email addresses coming through of who was buying it. And in the first couple of hours, we saw like six different email addresses from, you know, at ralphlorian.com. Mm. And we're like, oh shit, they know, you know, they've, they've seen it, you know. Yeah. And before this, I was a little bit worried because the publishers had made me sign a clause, like a liability clause, basically. Yeah. So you're personally liable? If Ralph wanted to sue me, I was personally liable. Damn. And at the time... Um, and it was also because at the, the last page of the book, you know, like I, I, there were some old adverts in there. And the last page of the book is like an old advert of Ralph, you know, wearing a cowboy hat, sipping a cold beer. Yeah. And that's just the last page, you know, yeah. like if he wanted to sue us, he could have, yeah. you know. And, and did that worry you? It did worry me because like I had to sign this thing and everything in the US that was totally different to me <laughs> yeah. was that it was all contractual based. This is like, sue the fuck this is 2016. Yeah. But at the time, man, I had no money, you know, I had nothing to my name, you know. Yeah. I was like, if Ralph's going to sue me, I'm just going to disappear to New yeah, Zealand, yeah. you know, and that's it. <laughs> and, 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 that, and the story, story, the story ends there, you yeah. know. But that's not what happened, you know, fortunately, you know. So obviously the book went there and it went crazy and you know, got amazing press, you know. It was from Vogue, the New York Times, the New Yorker. Everyone, wow. wrote, everyone wow. wrote about the book and printed the book. Um, and then so um, a few weeks after the book released, um, I got an email and then a subsequent phone call from Ralph's assistant. And she was like, um, we obviously know about the book. Um, there's, and I was like, is there, is there an issue? Or, you know, what's the problem? She's like, no, nah, there's no, there's no problem. She's like, well, there's one problem. It's the book sold out and Ralph wants a copy. Can you give Ralph a huh. copy? And I was like, of course I'll give Ralph a copy, you know. So I sent him a copy and wrote him a note saying, here's the, here's the book, you know. And then like literally like two days later, um, I get like a courier and it knocks on my door and there's a courier there with a, with a letter from Ralph that he's written to me. And he wrote me a letter just basically saying A written thank. letter? Yeah, written wow. letter signed by Ralph. Yeah. Just saying, you know, thank you for taking the time to document this movement and that he loved the photography and then he hopes that one day we will meet. Yeah. And from then, um, time passed a little bit, I think it was maybe a couple of months. And then um, I was obviously still buzzing by the fact that, you know, he'd reached out and then wrote this letter. But then from there, um, they contacted me to come in for, for a meeting, you know. And so I go in and um, go into the, go into, you know, 650 Madison, go into the, the headquarters in New York, and I'm buzzing out. Um, and they take me into the into their to their workroom, basically where it has all the new designs they're working on. You know the design teams in there with all their influence and everything. And um, I go in there and I see them. I'm like looking at all these uh, amazing things that they're working on. And then my books on the table. And then all my photography is pinned on the wall all around it. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on, man? I had yeah. no idea what was happening at the time. And I yeah. was like, I was like, well, this book has made like a big impression on them. Anyway, we end up having a meeting and we um, decide that you know, going to start working together, you know, they asked me if I wanted to start shooting all their campaigns. Damn. And so from there, it kind of started this, you know, this relationship that's gone on now since, you know, 2017, really, um, where, you know, we shot over like 20 campaigns together over the Damn. years, you know, and they became like a real family to me and um, were really kind of amazing, you know, and I was able to kind of give back and bring Thurston in and, and make sure that the, the respect was paid to back to, you know, um, the people that kind of, you know, helped me, you know, documenting them, but that 
help get eyes on me from Ralph, but being able to kind of give back to, to, to that community um, was super important to me, you know, and, and bring Thurston in. Um, got him to model for, for, for a Ralph, you know, Five Horsemen campaign, which was super special. Yeah. And just recently, the, the, the latest book that was being released by, by Ralph is a polo shirt book. And, you know, Thurston's in that and all my photography's through yeah. it, which is, which is great, you know. But it was crazy. It was like one of these things where I thought he was going to sue me, but he yeah. ended up employing me, you know. <laughs> and we, we traveled the world from, Amazing. you know, Chile to Japan to Mexico, everywhere, shooting campaigns with him. So... Um, that was kind of one of those, you know, um, and I was talking earlier about how does someone crack in or, you know, what to do. And that was just, you know, an example of creating something out of love, a passion project that has benefits and commercial benefits down the line and a way to, to break into the industry, you know. Mm. Um, so that was crazy to see the, it was life coming full circle. Of course. That's a, man, that's a, that's a fascinating story, yeah. And it almost kind of sums up everything what you were saying earlier in the conversation around, as you said, do stuff that you're passionate about and you may get rewarded for it. Yeah, know? yeah, and, yeah. And, and that just sums that whole thing up. And for Thurston and those, those guys that were actually like ram raiding these stores, obviously that probably contributed a lot to the popularity of Ralph Lauren, especially in say street culture, hip hop culture, I can imagine. hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, there's, there's, there's no denying that. And I think it took a, maybe, a, a, you know, a long time for the stories to really come to the forefront and then for the brand to be able to embrace that. Yeah. They were stealing from them, you know, like, yeah. but there is that relationship now, you know, and it was really special to see Thurston and Ralph meet at the release of Ralph's documentary and Thurston to be a part of that. Mm. And I was happy to kind of, you know, help in that, in that situation, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's really special. It's just kind of like a, a beautiful, like American story, you yeah, know. It's, like it's, it's unreal, you know, but it has um, this rawness to it, you know. Yeah. And what was uh, like Ralph? What was his reaction like to the fact that he's kind of meeting, say, the leader of this guy that was the leader of this movement that was stealing shit from him? I, I wish I could have been there. So we were um, the the documentary came out, um, and Thurston was obviously in there, met at the premiere, you know. Um, but I was actually in Japan for the release of Polo Sport yeah. with all the Ralph team out there. Yeah. And so I wasn't able to go there and like see that interaction because I'd love to have been there, you know? Yeah. Did he say anything? Did yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. did he say? Yeah, he... I'm not, sure. I'm not yeah. sure how the conversation went, yeah. but it was it was all love, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, Ralph had asked him to be in the documentary, you know? And um, yeah, it's special, you know? Um, yeah. I think Ralph is just, he's just the coolest dude, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. To what's, like, it, what's, what, to what's like, that like, man? Like meeting a guy like a how do you put it style icon just a fucking iconic human being especially in like fashion and culture you know in this last however many years what was that that's the thing man i haven't been able to meet him yet so that's yeah yeah the, yeah, yeah, yeah so we've, we've kind of like we've missed each other because oh, i, I wasn't i, I couldn't be at that but um hopefully hopefully it happens soon you know like yeah. um it was it was nice to on my trip to go reconnect with all the team over there but um yeah hope yeah, hope it gets to meet him one day. We share yeah. the same birthday. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you frame the letter? Hopefully. I haven't framed it, but, oh, I, but I have, it. I have yeah. it in the same place, you know. Yeah, quite yeah. a monumental event. Yeah, 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 yeah. I framed this letter. I got it. Sorry, I got to get the, get it reframed when the bank. It's funny how just wild stories like that, but when the bank gave me a letter about foreclosing me, if I don't pay back, for, it was like nearly a million bucks in seven days. Yeah. And it was signed by the, you know, the bank manager of ANZ. 
it's like yeah i framed that shit man yeah that's like, amazing yeah right? yeah yeah because yeah. i paid that back you yeah, know? yeah 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 well, that's the thing it's like even saying before but you know like talking about you know goals writing down like that's like a that's a moment where you look back on you move past that you For know sure. but that like keeps you there you yeah. know and that's that's also like you know what i love about creating things that are physical and tangible to look back on them yeah a lot of the time i look back on work and i hate i hate stuff that i've done you know i can't yeah. look at it you know yeah. but it still sits there as a reminder of a time and a place and then maybe how far you've come yeah, hopefully it's, you know, and it's yeah. a stepping stone to get get you where you are today despite you may not liking it now it's still necessary yeah, right 100 in the path that you're on and where yeah. you're at today you're you, is learning. that book still available nah man we're doing a reissue oh uh, we've re we've um we've done two editions so yeah. we did the first edition and the second edition sold out as well wow so you can only find them on eBay, man, but they're like going for like over a thousand dollars. It's crazy. Damn. Yeah. yeah. I actually remember, I recall when you released that. Because when was it? Two, 2016 was yeah. the first edition. Yeah, I yeah. recall that. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, a long time ago yeah, now. Didn't but, um, get it, but I'll, I'll <laughs> learn my lesson, man. Um, and in terms of, in terms of like, say, creative burnout, um, you know, we've kind of spoke about how you kind of get ideas and go through barriers and stuff but obviously you're still you know you're still wanting to create but have you ever experienced like where you're like fuck i'm done because that's the thing with someone like you is like you are you get paid based off your ideas and your quality of ideas but have you got to a point where you just you know you just you, you can't even fucking pick up a camera you can't stand it you're just burnt out you just physically you're you're, you're just done like have you ever experienced like experienced that and if you did like what did you do about it? How did you kind of get through that? And Yeah, man. No, I'm glad you bring it up. It's kind of like, it's something I've kind of dealt with this year for the first time. I suppose previously living in New York, what kind of kept me going was the fact that it has this crazy pace of life and this yeah. energy. Just and I, and I And I, you know, I fed off that and I bounced off that. And whenever when life was hectic, I would kind of run with it and it was, it was cool, you know? Mm. Um, and I kind of thrived off that. I think if you do... What we do in you know in the in, you know film and production industry like you have to kind of love the intensity of it to be able to keep up you know but um, and I've never had a problem with kind of like burnout you know mm -hmm. um, in terms of ideas um, a lot of the time I've been I've, I find myself lucky when I, I get something given a brief get given I'm able to come up with an idea relatively quickly the longer it takes to come up with the idea the harder it gets for me you know yeah. but in terms of like burning out I've, I've i've never reached a point where i've kind of like broken or burnt out until this year you know mm -hmm. um which was a really was a was a, was a weird one you know yeah. Yeah, um, because i hadn't like dealt with it before i was working on a campaign and it was a really big campaign over a long uh a long time you know we we're basically doing 19 tv commercials as a, as a mammoth as a beast you yeah. know and it was back-to-back -back shooting it was like a you know like a, a 20 day shoot um like a shoot block and it was yeah. just like back to back to back every yeah. day traveling in between long days um, to create these basically commercial every day it yeah. was an amazing planning and the team was amazing being behind me like putting it all together and everyone was amazing around me i loved the experience of it but just this, you know, the sheer volume, and then after you, you know, you shoot, shoot that. That's you're only halfway through. For sure. You have to go straight into post. Yeah. Literally, like two days after we wrap, and then that carries on for a matter of months. You know, mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the shooting block, um, I was I was pretty burnt out. You know, um, 
And, you know, there's obviously outside factors in your life at, at, at the best of times for whatever you're doing. But it was the first time I felt that, that like, I'm like, if, if I'm going to go sh like shoot another campaign, there was other like things coming in. I was like, man, I don't even know if I had the capacity to move on to anything, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I was creatively burnt out, you know. And it got to a point where I was like, fuck, man, like, are these ideas even good? Like, I was, mm. like, in a spin, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was just sheer, like, um, physical and mental fatigue. Yeah. But where I felt the impact wasn't really on the physical, you know, the physical part. It was, like, a, a part of the mental part, which is literally, like, I felt that, fuck, I had no more ideas left. Mm. And that was the scariest mm. feeling. Yeah, because it's so foreign what, to you probably, right? Yeah, because I never felt like burnt out, like I'm, like I can't, I can't move on to anything else. I just need to rest, you know. Yeah. And it was weird because um, other things like, oh, do you want to move on to this project? Um, when we move on to this one, you know, while you are in post and stuff, and I couldn't, I couldn't like move on to anything because um, being burnt out creatively started to affect like the confidence, my mm. confidence that I had. I never had that before. Mm -hmm. I'd always been like very sh like sure of myself and confident in the fact that like, you know, um, can do something good, you know, always mm -hmm. do something good. After being burnt out like that, I was like, fuck, like my, uh, my confidence like kind of took a little toll mm -hmm. in the middle of kind of like winter. I was like, mm. fuck, what's going on, you know? Mm. It was the first time I'd felt like affected by that. And the burnout was affecting um, uh, my confidence, which was strange. Mm. Yeah, so that was really that was really fucked up. It was really like a negative um, situation for me, you know, because I hadn't dealt with it before. And um, when you start questioning yourself, it's not a good thing, you know. Mm. Um, and uh, to to like know how I bounce back from that, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe like. Did you just charge through it though? I think you still yeah, I think I just, deadline, just moved right? through it, you know. I think the next thing came up, and then I was like, "Oh, I got an idea for this." Yeah. Um, part of the and the, how long did that? How long did that feeling of like shit, man? Maybe like out, a I've couple no of confidence. months. Maybe a couple oh, of months. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is all while you're doing a your post editing for. Yeah, me. but that was that was fine because I know I got that. You know, that's already in the bag. That had yeah. already been thought through. Yeah. This was about moving on to others. Being like, yeah. I'm too overwhelmed to move on to other shit. You know, like. Yeah. Um, so part of, I think a, a reason in my, in my subconscious just to like snap out of that is also like, I gotta get back to like where all my ideas started and the place that I, you know, yeah. so that's also a part um, of my trip going back to New York mm. um, that I just come back from is to like mm -hmm. go back to this place so many years ago yeah. when I was 22 years old that inspired me. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it was, you know, part that now we can travel because of the world has opened up, but also part to be like, um, but kickstart some some energy again, you know. Mm. And did it do that? Yeah, for sure, for like sure. Almost you know? instantaneously. I think I was already I'd already got it back before then. Yeah. But um, but it was also you know good just to be yeah. like shit, man. We can can do whatever now, you know. Like I can I'm, I'm free to go over there, travel, yeah. and, and and keep those ideas flowing no matter where I be. But um, I definitely I don't know like uh, learning from that. You gotta rest, bro. You yeah, gotta sleep. That's where I was crazy, yeah. man. Like I How? think it's just uh, uh, the the burner is straight up to do with rest. I, that's I what I put it down to, and I I don't want to have to feel that that feeling again of self doubt because like that's that that's not what I want to feel like, you know. Mm. Yeah. And do you feel that it's almost by the time you're feeling it, it's almost too late? I, th I think so because it's set in, right? right you know, it's yeah. set in for a reason, you know? But I think you just, like, if you've gone through it, like, 
you've got to realize that you know you shut it down before it happens again yeah. or you've got to figure out ways to get out of it you know yeah. and i'm not sure if i have the answer to get out of it luckily i snapped out of it but yeah. i'm not i'm not sure what what that is but that was another reason for me to start um you know a cycle of microdosing as well yeah 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 just having yeah yeah just with the mushrooms and stuff and yeah yeah because does um i almost think that for me anyway personally just you know crazy crazy world and business and you know we grew quite significantly the last three years and um i've almost felt that i'm just now booking in shit even if i don't need it so that way it's just it's booked in it's locked in right. and that way it's just pure rest it's like and I've got a pretty good ability now just to completely shut off work and career. Right. Like, just completely shut off. Um, I mean, it's a skill, but I've always, I've never regretted now just locking and booking it time in and just it's, and taking it. And I always feel it just gives me long, longevity because it's like longevity and sustainability, man, especially in the, as, as a creative, is yeah. so vitally important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we've only got certain bandwidth, right? And you can't just fucking go, 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 keep producing miracles. It's like you right. need to... You need to learn to shut down, and that's actually a bit of a common thread with like a lot of you know successful people that I've met as well. Is just like booking in and putting a high priority on rest, yeah. you know, recovery and sleep and all that stuff. And I know before we kind of laughed about it, but like you know, diet and stuff. Like, is that a factor for you or? Fuck, my diet's terrible, bro. <laughs> What's your diet? Oh, fuck, I just don't even get into it, bro. Yeah, just American diet. Oh, man, as soon as I went back there, I was back to all the old favourites, you know. But, like, <laughs> but nah, I think it, that would be, you know, something to work on. Like, just exercise, but, like, mental exercise is fucking important too, you know. Great. Like, you know, just talking, bro. Like, that's why I, you know, respect having, like, this kind of, like, court law with you, you know, to, like, talk about shit, you know. Like, it's like if you're not exercising, you know, like, um, your own mental health or well-being then you, you, it's just keeping on the back but, yeah yeah you know. agree and it's a little bit like it's it's now becoming a little bit more say accepted for males especially in New Zealand yeah, yeah, for sure. you know, to be having conversations like this um, but it's so fucking important man yeah and it's like people say that women are just emotional I reckon men are just the same we've just learned that we're better at masking it we're oh, better, for sure, bro. Better, better actors you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's all sure. it's all the same man and I think even talking about like I always talk to like you know Dex and all the team and stuff it's like bro take a rest and you can kind of see it sometimes a lot of it's why it's why it's real good to be around those people as well that can kind of keep you in check as well Yep. So like they can see it's like, dude, take a fucking rest, take yeah, Friday yeah, off, just, yeah, yeah. you know, even if you can squeeze in two days, three days, just do that, yep. better than no days, you know, yeah, and, big um, time. you think you're being productive by grinding through it, but, you know, if there's no point getting to the end of a grind and you need two months off because you're completely fucked, adrenal fatigue and, you know. Life is a balance, bro. It's all a balance, bro. And even with that as well, like, you know, once you've had all these, like, you know successes and won awards and all these accolades and you know you've got the Ralph Lorenz on your resume and shit like that like how do you deal with like your ego because your, your your confidence must be sky high like you know do people like treat you differently do you have a confidence that people mistake for confidence for ego like how do you shit man I don't know I don't know how people perceive me I'm not sure you know but I think I think I've always tried to remain very humble you know like at the end of the day, I ain't shit. There's so many people that are amazingly successful. I have so many friends that are like doing amazing things. But I think it's important to um, also um, 
uh, treat yourself well and, yeah. and, you know, be proud in the fact that you, you know, the stuff that you've done and, and the journey that you're on as well. Um, you should give yourself a pat on the back every now and then, Great, you know, man. like, otherwise it's just, it's just healthy, you know, but I don't know, I like, I'm not even sure if I fully know what, what ego is. Um, or, the, or the difference between ego and confidence. Mm-hmm. But I think confidence is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, just to have that self-confidence, like I was saying before, like losing that is not a good feeling, you know? Like I think being able to have the confidence and your ability and then that confidence of being proud to stand by the work that you put out mm-hmm. is literally all I'm trying to do, bro. You yeah. know, like, and, and, just, and just to be happy with that, you know? And at the end of the day, um, just treat people, you know, like, with the utmost respect and um and, and be you know love people the way you want to be loved back bro it's like you know like uh this place and being home means a lot to me i you know i, I kind of like the end goal is just to be respected in the community that i'm yeah. that i'm a part of you know yeah. that's kind of like my ultimate goal that's yeah it. yeah it's amazing and um yeah and i think you know I, as i said before bro i've met you met you many times before and despite all your successes just you're just a humble good dude and i think it's real good but is america though do you reckon the american culture is that kind of ego and (laughs) all that fucking inflated self-confidence that may be mistaken by by ego it's very it's different man it's very different over there you know very different that's what i found and it's it's, it's interesting as um as someone from new zealand when i was navigating that space yeah and I didn't, when I first went there, I didn't really gel with it. I was like, oh man, you know, because we didn't really talk about ourselves, you know. And people people know this about us, that, you know, that we are quite humble, you know. Mm. Uh, and we got, you know, there's all that t- tall poppy that goes around. But the thing about, um, you know, America, people are very quick to, to talk about themselves, their successes. But that confidence, you know, um, is there. And I don't take it as a negative thing, you know. Mm. Like, I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing that you have it. I only hope is that you believe it deep down yeah, yeah. And, and that you follow through with it, you know. But if you can, you know, talk that way and you're proud of what you do, then fucking full credit to you, you know. Like, 100%. Um, it's not up to me to judge you whether you're full of shit or not, you know. Yeah. And if you are, it doesn't matter to me regardless. Yeah. But I think having that confidence is, is a good thing. But mm. it's a different way of operating. And I think that I had to adapt to that a little bit over there and to be more open to talk about things you know mm. or to talk about maybe your successes like selling or sell yourself a hundred percent man yeah. and it was like it was a weird one to do whereas down here like, i'll give you an example like you know i meet someone this happened the other week in la meet someone really quick lovely dude you know but within that first interaction we never met each other you know like i know all about him his work i yeah, have his yeah, business yeah, card yeah. you know yeah, like yeah. we know everything you know yeah. whereas i'll meet someone down here and i might meet someone four or five times until we really talk about work For with sure. each other or, or know what each other does you know or to someone to come up and and say oh, i really you know like you know let, let's do something together you know yeah. the um the humility like slows us down i don't think yeah. it's a I don't, it's just different i don't think it's, it's a bad eh? thing it's just a different way yeah. i think we're humble in our approach and we're humble in our execution and the way we talk but i think it maybe just comes back to like an energy thing we've got a slower energy more like slower pace of life and it's yeah. it's you know there's there's no rush to get to the top of the hill here whereas yeah. over there it's there's an amazing sense of like energy and drive and this fast pace and everyone's doing it together mm. so why waste time you yeah. know like let's let's connect let's network let's make this happen you know yeah. and so i don't know i think for myself i might slot in somewhere in the middle but i, I enjoy both you know yeah i agree i agree because also being someone that you're not is exhausting and i felt that 
despite loving you know the la new york culture just the fast pace of it it becomes very infectious just how everyone's ambitious um i just felt it wasn't me because I'm, I'm, sure. I'm a chill guy but then you kind of go there and you hang out with some cats and you know fucking whatever quote unquote famous and you go out for dinner and then once they've got that once they've got the photo or whatever, they're on their fucking phones the whole time. They're not even engaging with you in a real conversation. Right, I found right, that right. as a real trip out. Okay, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I know what you mean. It's within the first 60 seconds, you know everything about them. Right. But they don't know nothing about you. Nature, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. You don't want to compete with all, you don't want right. to compete either. It's just not in our nature. But it's also interesting, yeah. like, say, like, on the athlete level, you've got the All Blacks and they're all taught to be humble and stuff, which is great. But then, um, you know, it obviously works in their favor. But then you've got, say, like these fighters, individual, which is a bit more of an individual sport, although you've got teams behind you. Um, you know, you've got like the Izzies and whatnot, and they're fucking confident. Yeah. And a lot of people miss, you know, they misinterpret that as, right. as ego. But it's actually like, well, when you're out there by yourself, you need yeah. to have that confidence. Yeah. And I think, it's, I think it's great, you know, as you said, just that balance. Yeah. And that's a great thing about Kiwis in New Zealand as well, is it just always brings you back down to down to earth yeah i yeah. think i think it's a good thing but you know leave with one thing i heard the other day that kind of stuck with me that i thought was good and kind of like you know keep in the back of my head eh? it's like the humble will never be humiliated yeah and i thought that was cool i was like yeah that's you know that's the truth you yeah. know yeah you know you'll never be humiliated yeah yeah man i appreciate i appreciate your time you're a busy man it's kind of good to have you back in new zealand probably see more of you especially down down piha <laughs> is there any like any yeah, any kind of closing closing words? Obviously, you've had given a wealth of, wealth of advice and it's been fascinating kind of, you know, hearing your story. But is there any kind of thing, any kind of closing words of advice to, you know, people out there? You know, some, um, some stuff that we can quote from... I don't know, man. Just don't, know. don't be scared of trying, you know. Don't be scared of failure. and Just do you. Yeah. That's it, really, man. That's it, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, appreciate it, brother. Thank you, good. man. Nah, thank awesome. you for having me, bro. Yeah, nah, all good, Much bro. Much love. Yeah, me.